0: Hey everybody, just some quick business here. If you have been enjoying The Flying Sign or have been enjoying the mini series Stoic Forge, if you could just take a second, uh, search for the podcast The Flying Sign in your podcast directory, click on the review section, and if you feel so inclined, please uh, write a review. Let me know how I'm doing, what you like, uh, what you don't like. If uh, a particular subject has made you feel something, please let me know. I want to hear that. On top of that, it does help get this out there more. I'm not asking for money. I don't. I don't want any of that. I just uh, want to get this out. So, uh, if you would, just take a moment and do that. And if not, that's cool too. So, please enjoy the show. flying sign with Joe Clady. This is Stoic Forge. That was the real first night in the van. Uh, the night before was in the campground and, and this was what, what I had expected to, to um, experience from here on out. Uh, sleeping in a public place, um, and and just hoping nothing happens. Somehow that's beat out of us to uh, feel safe in that in that context of of a being uh, vulnerable as we sleep in an area that isn't um, protected in some way. Whether you feel protected by four walls or you feel protected just because you pay for a spot. Um, so, but I was I was scared and laying awake. Um, uh, most of the night due to um excitement from the night before playing in that bar and 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 uh, the money that I had earned from those six strings uh was exciting, but there was just that eerie sense of of you know the the uh lampposts and and the traffic and uh, and in, even the silence once that crept in uh once it got really late. But the sun eventually woke me up, accompanied by um, semi trucks passing by and and people walking and just just you know day to day traffic in a uh, touristy town in the middle of August. Um, so, but but it was it was exciting. Uh, but at this point now, it was time to explore. It was a new day and another day in Hannibal, and uh, I didn't know what to do. Um, right around the corner was. Or it still is this coffee shop known as the Java Jive and they uh, their little tagline is um, I think the first coffee shop west of the Mississippi or best coffee shop west of the Mississippi something to that extent because you can literally throw a stone uh, into the river from their front door and I went inside there and was terrified uh, but first got a cup of coffee and then asked if I could play out front and just just as politely as I could and to my surprise um, they just shrugged and was like yeah sure we don't give a shit Um, which I I don't know you whenever you see a a busker which is the the correct term for someone that's uh, panhandling or at least performing uh, uh, some sort of um, craft for money on the, a street performer is a, a another you know term for a busker most of the time you wouldn't want that at a business um and i don't know if it was just my boyish face that was <laughs> felt fine to let me play and you know my my old crew cut that i had and um but they did and so i went back to the van uh Needed to put a sign together. I, I couldn't just sit there with my guitar case open. I could, but that's not as uh, uh, street charming. You know, It loses some of its street charm at that point. So, grabbed out of a dumpster where the van was parked next to. Uh, a pretty decent sized piece of cardboard. And wrote on it. Uh, I guess this needs some explaining. So... I wrote my name on there, uh, but not my real name. I, in my head, wanted to have a uh, an alias, yeah, in the case of um, you know people not looking me up on Facebook or contacting family or, or whatever. So I went by the the name Joe Calico. Um, in hindsight, it sounds super fake, but um, that's what I used. So. Just wrote traveling. Uh, Hi, my name's Joe Calico. uh, In need of uh, change, food, or company. And from Indiana, making my way west. A little wordy for for a small piece of cardboard. But, you know, again, trying to go for the charm look rather than the, the desperate look. So I got that together. And on the back of that scribbled... Uh, a little set list of songs that I could crank through, whether they're original or, or covers. Most of the covers that I played the night before at Rumor Has It, and um, so I plop down with um, half a bag of pistachios and and start start doing this thing. And a couple people come up, and I get a dollar here, some you know, fifty cents here, and it's it's all right. You know, that's it's lunch at that point, you know, by, by, by noon, I probably had 10 bucks. Um, so again, that, that helped fuel the, uh, the relief, um, that this could be semi lucrative, um, at least to get by, but it did attract some attention, some good attention. Uh, some local kids, uh, a little older than me came and sat down one, one guy, his name, he went by goose kind of kind of crusty looking guy uh, really nice just real real quiet and really socially awkward but um, I, he was attracted to my situation and just we got to talking and know like some socially awkward people do the the first go-to is just to put your put their phone in your face to show pictures of whatever and most of them were planking which was big at the time and So that was just, you know, you got to, oh, cool, yeah. Um, But, you know, he was a nice guy, so he kept me company until this girl named Hillary came and sat down, who was gorgeous. She was um, very pretty from a school down the road. But, God damn it, she would not shut up to where I could, I just wasn't able to play without having to almost literally say, hey, I got to do this thing. You know, this isn't for fun. I am needing money. Um, But she would harmonize with any of the, you know, like free falling or whatever I would play. And until this truck pulled up, um, a very beat up, rusted out Dodge Ram that was more rust than it was its original color of blue. Um, But they seemed to know who this woman was immediately before she even got out of her car and screaming, Renee, Renee. And she got out and, you know, she's laughing and gives them hugs. And, uh, they clearly obviously knew each other and they introduced me to her and I can kind of tell she, um, uh, does a, you know, kind of s- stops smiling for a second and does a quick glance up and down, just kind of size me up, uh, and says, Hey, do you need work? And just just very just very matter of fact, like you know, you need work. And without really even thinking about it, I said yes. She's like, well, hop in." And I was like, "Well, what about my guitar?" She's like, "Throw it in the bed." And so I hopped in this stranger's truck, uh, sat next to her dog Freddie, who was a playful little puppy, uh, who seemed to love me immediately, and. We headed to her house, and over the, the five-minute drive up the hill from the river into more of the residential part of Hannibal, uh, she tells me who she is uh, next to the Java Jive, that coffee shop I mentioned earlier where I was playing, uh, connected to it is the art gallery of Hannibal, and she was the manager, curator, contributor, kind of kind of did the whole show there. And she was getting ready to move back home to Tacoma, Washington. And she needed help getting her self ready, her place ready, her art ready. And I was, I was that guy. And so we went up the hill to her house, beautiful bungalow. Uh, and she kind of showed me around everything that she was going to need done in the next unforeseen amount of time. Uh, And it was a lot. Uh, Like I said, she was a contributor, meaning she was also an artist herself. And for those of you who are artists or know artists, um, art supplies um, becomes (laughs) one of those things that end up getting hoarded. Uh, You Just stacks and stacks of of, uh, material everywhere. Uh, Whether it's old art that she'd done or uh, half-started projects, or have finished projects that needed to be finished and just stuff everywhere, and she needed to pack it up so um, part of the deal was once we got to talking about compensation, um, I told her, you know my van is down just around the corner from from the gallery in Java jive, and she's like, well, how about this? you know we'll you know I'll pay you' Uh, but some of your pay will be uh, room and board, and she's like, "I'll feed ya, and you can you know sleep in one of the beds here." Um, but you know you're you're gonna work for me, and I wasn't easy about it, obviously, because it's it's that stranger danger thing. You know, I don't know this woman, and again, she's just you know she she's just a an um, you know middle aged uh, older woman that like you know. She, she she, couldn't hurt me. Uh, I mean, she could with a weapon, I guess, but I, the, the thought of it, we're just programmed and, and conditioned and taught not to do such a thing. But um, fuck it. Why not? The, the, this, this opportunity is clearly presenting itself for some purpose. Uh, and she seems sweet enough at least, you know, initially. So, so we shook hands and that was that. So then I went down uh, to get the van, had to walk down the hill, um, left the guitar there. And uh, I went to rumor has it for dinner and Sonia, the bartender from the night before who let me play and offered me food, didn't charge me for dinner just brought out her left or the leftovers uh from the night before that they had grilled it wasn't the bar food it was you know a nice chicken breast and corn on the cob and and fried potatoes from her house and I just I thought that was so sweet and like I had fallen into this this community of support uh just after playing there for one night and it's not like I was bringing in business for him or anything like that but it um it was nice. It was, it was a nice, uh, um, touch of home, I guess, uh, the, this semi-motherly figure to provide this dirty guitar playing traveler, uh, a home-cooked meal. So then I went back to Renee's and she was painting just casually in her, in her front room. And so I'm not really knowing what to do, if I should start working or if I should just go to bed or journal or, or, or whatever I needed to do. And she just, you know, just looked up and smiled and said, Hey, are you bored? And then asked if I wanted to paint with her. And I said, sure, you know, why not? Um, uh, so I sat down and she was doing watercolor, which was her medium of choice. She was, um, very talented with watercolors and again for those of you who are familiar watercolor is a tough medium to make it look like anything more than a fourth grader did it um, there, there's a lot of skill involved um, and and that was her her medium of choice and she was just doing just something casually and just for fun and caught me she taught me a, a cool way to drip watercolor uh, just around the painting, and and just kind of turn it and let it let it roll across the page until it uh, was eventually absorbed uh, after traveling across the page, and and said painting is like a person, and how it you know you have your canvas that starts off blank like a baby. You eventually get frustrated with it as you're as you're working through it and trying to mold it into your image and 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 get it to a point where you can have some sort of control of of your idea of it, similar to a teenager, and then you just eventually have to put it aside and just let it be its own thing. Take a step away, and air it out. Uh, but she said, if you're patient enough, it becomes an adult that you can have a conversation with, and meaning she, you can rotate it and and uh, let it evolve. Uh, and And that's what we did as as she was saying that, I just kept rotating my piece until I found this you know she didn't see it, but it you know it was like it was like looking at clouds, shapes of clouds uh, until I found this man smoking uh or or this moon that was dripping uh, or a whale that was um, uh, going up for air. You know, whatever it just every, every after each turn, you could abstractly just guess what it was and, and that and that was that was a good night. Um, and that was it. And then she showed me where I was gonna sleep, which I hadn't seen yet. and I went to bed, um, which was a little eerie., uh, the room that she offered me was previously uh, habited by. This paranoid schizophrenic man that she used to care for, uh, who was from town, and she had done uh, nursing type work uh, her whole life, um, and she cared for this man and, until he eventually passed. Uh, and would tell me before she had that house, she was living in an apartment uh, right above the the art studio, just right on Main Street there of in Hannibal. And from surrounding colleges, it would get, you know, a lot of young crowds uh, at the bars during the weekend nights. And he would just sit at the window and just yell, shut the fuck up, Sh- You fuck you, you dirty pussy. Just, just very profane uh, things that just made her, she would squeal laughing because he just would just get so irrationally angry that he didn't even mean it, Uh, but it was just classic grumpy old man thing times a thousand that she would get a kick out of until it (laughs) went too far when they would start shouting back. Uh, But this is where this man was, and the the bed kind of smelled like pee, but it was comfy, and I got over it um, because it was better than the van and, and how uncomfortable that was already getting, um, only after, mm, yeah, I guess two nights of sleeping in it. She let me sleep in it the the third night on the road. Um, uh, so then I woke up and, and, um, she wasn't there. Uh, I rode my bike downhill, um, uh, through town, uh, which was, it just was such a, just such a beautiful bike ride. You just, just let it roll. No pedaling just all the way and with the river in view and all of these places I, I began to recognize the businesses and the um uh, the restaurants and just rolled into java Jai for coffee and then walked right into uh, renee's gallery where she was and I, I started to notice her laugh more and more and, and how uh, it would just was so real and full of excitement, and and she laughed when I walked in and smiled with this way that it was almost like she was surprised that I was still there and uh, like I hadn't ditched or you know just or robbed her or, or whatever she thought maybe I would do, but she was genuinely excited to see me for whatever reason, and we got to work. Um, she started to. Stage things in her gallery, uh, mostly her things. Uh, at the end of this week, she was having a farewell uh, show for all her work at at you know just just to say goodbye to all her people in the town with her work, and then she would hit the road. So we ended up leaving there and got back to work uh, after we started to look for supply um just get supplies for what she needed to mat and frame all her pieces you know which i knew absolutely nothing about but i was the grunt which i can do all day i don't give tell me what to do i don't care i'll carry whatever you need just don't make me plan anything uh and she helped with that but that being said we both easily got distracted she immediately um became Hannibal tour guide and wanted to show me all of this, this historic, uh, city and, and all the, the, the hidden gems inside of it and took me to this park that overlooked the river. Um, and we just, just sat there and talked about, um, our lives and our families. And she told me about her daughters and how one of her daughters, her, her daughter's pimp, I guess, ran her over ran Renee over ran over her leg, and I thought she was kidding. So I like you know politely and awkwardly smiled, thinking it was a joke, and it it definitely was not. Uh, so I immediately wiped that smile off my face, but just you know, shared 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 some of the darkness immediately. You know, you have those people that you can do that with, and that it's not um um uh, some sometimes. People have an oversharing problem. I know I'm one of those people. Boundaries are are often forgotten or ignored. Uh, but with other people that are often that or that off or that also have those boundary issues, it's it's comforting to just go back and forth uh, with the shit um, that that you can at least relate to a person about. And with her, it was it was easy to do and comforting to do, especially knowing that I was going to be staying at this woman's house for a, a decent amount of time. Uh, so then we got back into town, and she introduced me to this man named La, and he was wearing this um, kind of colonial garb, uh, very you know old timey Western stuff. He was commissioned by the city. To play a certain amount of time just on Main Street, banjo and guitar, and just kind of add to the the Mark Twain, Tom Sawyer vibe of this town, um, and and everything that went with that, introduced me to him, and um, he saw my guitar that I that I had, and, and was beginning to just keep with me because it was it was a tool. At this point, it wasn't a uh, a thing to just get out and and play casually, it was, oh, this could be a spot where I could put the sign up, open the case, and see what I get. So I had the guitar, and we start to play. He's obviously much better than me right off the bat, uh, and I'm not the best collaborator uh, on an impromptu jam session anyways. um, But we play, and I I bullshit through some chords and play through a couple covers, and at this point now... uh, uh, Renee had, had gone, um, um, uh, and just left me here with LA. She did that a lot. She would, <laughs> she would introduce me to people and just kind of like leave because I mean, she was busy. She was planning to just go back to her life in Tacoma. Um, uh, but anyways, this, this other, uh, guy, his name was Seth, probably, um, a couple years older than me, still in school. Uh, sat down and they, him and LA knew each other. I don't know if it was from playing or most likely just playing guitar. And Seth you know, borrowed my guitar and played through some covers, you know, wagon wheel, um, uh, some Foo Fighters, you know, some of his own stuff. And it was cool. He was a cool guy. Um, um, and so I rode around with him for a while, which again, was kind of that stranger danger thing. I mean, he was again, just a, a kid my age. So it, it wasn't super weird, but I don't know you, and I'm away from the comfort of my van. Uh, and now, at this point, Renee, I, you, you have these things that you're so afraid of that y- all you need is to get used to it just a little bit. That when a new, um, uh, a, sh- a new strange person or thing comes along then that old strange person or thing suddenly becomes the comfort that you're seeking. Um, and it was. I caught myself realizing that, and but, but suppressed it because I knew I was fine. It was going to be okay. They, everyone knew each other. I was fine, but I just had to keep telling myself that. So uh, Seth and I went to this park, got, got dinner and just, you know, bullshitted and uh, uh, he invited me out to, to go out with him and, and another friend of his, uh, later that night. And, uh, I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? Uh, so he dropped me off back at Renee's, uh, to, you know, I got showered up, put on a, a decent outfit, or I guess the, the nicest outfit that I had, um, that I brought in, in, in preparation of, uh, potentially having to go out or, uh, look decent for some sort of event, um, and so he came back and and picked me up, and then asked the awkward question that uh, many of you have probably experienced at, at at some point. You have to you have to feel somebody out before you ask this question, and that question is, "Do you want to smoke?" And that's a hard one to uh, to field. Um, or at least to ask, um, I mean, there's, there's the other question, do you smoke? Because then it's like, you know, do I say yes and then we're cool? Or do I say yes and he thinks I'm, you know, goes the, the, other uh, goes the other way of thinking I'm some addict or, or whatever you think it is. Uh, but he said, yeah, you want to smoke? And I mean, I know how I get when it comes to smoking sometimes just get a little socially anxious. It doesn't work. And and didn't then definitely doesn't now. Um. Um. It, it doesn't have that medicinal property for me. It just makes me socially anxious. Um, you know, and it and it definitely did the same here. But I did it anyways because uh, I wanted to be cool. Not cool. Damn it. Not cool. Like, ooh, I you know, I gotta do <laughs> do drugs to fit in with these guys. But. I just, you know, wanted to, didn't want them to think I was some narc or whatever. And it was fine. Um, So he picked up his other friend, Laurel was his name, who was a shorter and louder Chris Rock. uh, But just real short and lanky and loud. And, you know, real real quick witty and was always cracking jokes uh, the whole time. And I wish I would have smoked after I met him because like I met him and then he just kept joking with me and it just if, if I would have known that's how he was beforehand then it would have been a different story but it just added to the uh, social anxiety but it was fine he was cool um, but then um, Seth wanted Laurel to drive because uh, he didn't want to drive his own car while smoking so we're headed to this wine bar and that was like ten dollar bottle a night or something like that. And um, we're heading down a one way in the middle lane. I trying to set this up. It's so a three lane road one way. We were in the middle lane. and we just we're swapping stories and I'm telling them some of the stuff that, you know, I've seen so far, and talking about the van, and they're awkwardly making jokes about Renee, which I didn't like, but, you know, we just we just played along, and Laurel turns left from the middle lane, and I'm sitting in the passenger seat, and so as he's turning, uh, there is someone coming in the right or the, the left hand lane of this three lane road as he's turning left. And as he's turning left, we are about to get smoked. And I see it and I'm just like, dude, dude, do do dude and before I can even say it, we get smashed from the uh from the other car blasting into the bumper of the of like the very far corner of the bumper to where if we would have been any what would that have been? Any later I mean laurel driving could have been Really fucked up. Um, I could have been really fucked up. I mean, I was on the opposite side, but I could see it all happening. And I don't know what he was thinking, um, but we got smashed in there. And without missing a beat, where he's squealing around and just doing zigs and turns, and Seth's, you know, saying like, "Just keep going, keep going, ditch the pot, ditch the pot." And um, uh, they th- he throws the roach out. And I just, I couldn't believe what was happening. Uh, and, but eventually we get away and the other car, I think probably felt like it was their fault somehow. Cause they, I mean, the last thing we saw of them, they were squealing in the opposite direction. So maybe they didn't have insurance. I don't know, but it, it ended up working out for everybody. Cause you no know, police were called. Uh, uh, no one got hurt. I was emotionally rattled, but I felt fine. I guess for the night. Um, yeah, God, that was messed up. So we get to the ten dollar bottle of wine place, and um, we're pretty stoned at this point. Uh, but I'm feeling good at the like the the guys are getting loose and fun. I'm feeling fine at this point, and. Seth let out his inner bro by like, as we're walking down the alley, like he stops and cranks out some pushups before we go in there, which I've done not, I guess in an alley, but you know, before you go out, I, you know, do some reps, get a good pump going. And, um, uh, that's what he did. So we went in to this place and I, at, walking in, I was hesitant to, to get drunk in a town, that I wasn't familiar with. On top of that, people I wasn't familiar with, and I—I I mean, I—it's—it's you know, a—it's a, it's a um, vulnerable feeling, and probably a, a stupid position to put yourself in uh, when you're relying on people for one a ride, and and two, kind of their protection uh, if shit hits the fan. Like i do don't—I don't know where I'm at uh, in relation to Hannibal, or at least to Renee's. Um, but then I ended up finding out that those, as we're sitting there and I, I don't know why they let me drink. Cause again, I'm only 20. Uh, but they, I play the, the usual, Oh, I don't have my ID. And I, they just let me drink anyways, which just doesn't happen, especially anymore. I, I don't know, but they, they let me drink. So we're getting hammered. Uh, and as we're getting more and more Drunk, I find out how weird these guys are. And like Seth sitting in his chair, you know, just really high and really drunk, and just sitting there like Mr. Burns from The Simpsons with his, his fingertips touching and his, you know, kind of long face like kind of brought in, just smirking. And yeah, he's <laughs> clearly in a good place, buzz wise, but it's, I don't know, just kind of freaking me out. Uh, and Laurel just was getting super sloppy to where it was embarrassing me and I didn't even know him but I was with them so it's I don't know I'm able to handle my own and I just get annoyed with people who can't Uh, but but, you know that's just how it is Um, so we went to this next bar down the street and that's when it got kind of weird this bar was just your standard dive bar uh, and I ended up taking care of Laurel, uh, while everyone else was playing pool. Cause I liked the guy. I mean, he was nice and, uh, but just so fucked up, just falling out of his chair and just super sloppy and, and just kept like grabbing me by the shoulder and just kind of like, just kind of rubbing a little bit and said like, he, he didn't know if he could trust me. Uh, and just kept saying like, I don't know if I can trust you. I like, who are you? Who are you? Where are you from? It's like, man, we've been talking about this. Like I can, you know, I've only known you so long, but then like out of nowhere, he just spills his guts to me. Like it's been, uh, in him all along. And I don't know if it's because I'm a stranger and m- maybe gave off that vibe that, uh, I can listen and I wouldn't judge or you wouldn't see me again. So my opinion doesn't matter. Um, but he, he opens up about his, his sexuality and, and how he, he just likes sex, uh, which, you know, we share, share that talk and kind of go back and forth about our views on sex. And, and then he says he's bisexual and that he just wanted to let me know that. And, and I was like, okay. And he's like, well, like. Would you be down? And I was like, ah, I was like, you know, I was like, by all means, like, please do that. I'm just that's not, I'm not. And so, uh, you know, I I politely uh, declined his offer. Um, but he just kept touching me, and which was fine. Like again, he's just I can handle it. You know, I'm not. I'm not super insecure about my own sexuality that, uh, another man touching me is I'm going to have to prove myself and and beat the shit out of him. But it was like getting kind of aggressive and, uh, and I, but like I kept saying like, dude, you got to stop, you got to stop. And just, you know, being, being friendly, uh, to where he would stop and just kind of like, okay, okay, sorry. Um, and so I'm like, just, I take him in with me cause I thought maybe he'd <laughs> control his urges a little bit more if we were in with everyone else. And, uh, Seth's, some of Seth's friends had showed up, uh, but there was this guy, uh, that wasn't associated, but they were, he was just kind of hanging around with this, with this, I don't know, his buddy or something. And he just kept staring at me probably 45 wearing a flat cap. Um. Uh, and just kept giving me the eye and I like eventually was like what's up what's up dude like what What?" he's like get on this table and dance for me and I was like what he's like get on this table I want to see you dance and I just like at this point was like I gotta get the fuck out of here like w- like what is this place and uh, meanwhile Laurel's behind me like you know, puffing his chest out and he like whispers in my ear, he's like, you want me to drop this fucker? You want me to drop him for disrespecting you like that? And so I got to calm down my, my knight in shining armor, (laughs) trying to defend my honor from this pervert that is either fucking with me or, uh, I don't know. It was, it was a very bizarre situation, but it was time to go. And, um, one of Seth's friends, uh, said he would take, um take me and Laurel home. And I didn't know this guy, but I got in the car with him and I was still pretty high and pretty drunk. And I can just remember, but he was, he was really just, you know, just a, just a dude, just really nice. And, um, we were leaving the street off from this bar and it was clearly on accident. And I, and I knew that, uh, but he made a wrong turn to where he turned to this pretty much dead end by the river where there's all these old concrete Jersey barriers. And I like immediately panicked. I was like, well, like thinking like, he's going to fucking kill me and leave me, you know, just leave me here. And this, this was the plan all along you know, you get to that point. If, if you've dealt with the beast, like your head goes there, whether you psych yourself out that you need to go to the hospital or you think all along, everyone is involved in this elaborate plot to eventually kill you. Um, and I, I got there and he like looked at me. He's like, dude, no, I'm sorry. You know, we're good. We're good. And I think he was aware. Um, but I was, I, again, super vulnerable moment being, uh, again, with another person I didn't know, and, um, meanwhile, Larell's in the back seat, drunk as shit, rolling around, but kept, I was sitting in the passenger seat, just rubbing, like, my neck, and pinching, like, my trap, and my shoulder, and I just, like, had to keep taking his hand and throwing it off, and he just kept doing it, and I don't think those other guys knew about his situation, um, uh, because he told me he's had, um, um, uh, you know, a lot of girlfriends and I, I think everyone sees him as this, this player kind of guy. Um, uh, and like how, I mean, he, this was another, before he opened up about his sexuality in that way, he said you know, he's had a, a lot of girls get abortions and it just got real kind of dark and but I think everyone else sees him as that guy, not this, um, this this guy who alluded to wanting to be dominated um, and, and 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 wanted me to be that guy. And I'm not being insensitive and I'm not making that um, straight guy uh, um, assumption that like, oh, Every gay dude wants to fuck me. I'm not saying that this really happened this way. It, it's not, I'm not, I'm not being that guy. And I, so please understand that. I, I know the difference uh, than someone who is just gay, which I'm familiar, or someone who uh, gay, straight man or woman that is being sexually aggressive. There, there is a difference and you can be both. Um, so So keep that in mind. So eventually I get home, home, back to Renee's, and um, she's awake painting, and just this immediate relief just spills over me uh, that I'm back at this place, that I'd only spent, you know, 24 hours, or just a night there before. Uh, but it it just had such this warming vibe to it, and so did she as this familiar face that was going to keep me safe from the the unknown and the strangers and the strange place. Um, and that was, that was nice. And I, I told her just the story of the night and she just sat there captivated um, and laughing in her excited, giggly way. And which then made me laugh and giggle and kind of relieved a lot of the, 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 um, fear that I had kind of had about that whole night and her, um, her attitude on it, um, made me feel okay. That weird shit just happens. And whether you're with strangers or with family, weird shit is just going to happen. Um, and that's okay. And that's okay to have that, um, and I was grateful to have her be that person for me. Um, but I woke up the next day still very tired and and slightly hungover, uh, kind of shook up. Um, but Renee was still there, so I came downstairs and Renee had some uh, people over for uh, brunch, and including La, this other lady Nancy who ran the fabric shop, and then in her shop had a gigantic um, manually operated loom to make rugs and um, just handmade clothing, as well as um, antiques as well in the shop, and just a really friendly, uh, uh, happy lady, and so Renee, LA, and Nancy were sitting at Renee's breakfast table and it I I could feel that they were these creative elites uh just waxing about the the universe and and life and laughing about it and I was honored to sit with them uh quickly realizing that Renee was the kind of queen bee of this town she knew everyone um which I'll get into later, but, but, but these people came to her and, and it was nice to to be included in that. So later on that day, uh, it was a big event for Hannibal. It was the music under the stars night, which had happened before, but, but this year I guess was super special and, and Renee kept uh, going on and on about it. Um, I didn't know them, but big names were coming this year. Uh, just this three uh, 3 guys. They're um, Grammy Award-winning country singer-songwriters. Um, well, we got Carl Jackson, Larry Cordial, and uh, Jerry Sally. I think Jerry Sally writes a lot of the music for uh, Reba. Uh, Carl Jackson did a lot of... Um, just, just a lot of his own original work. It was, it was very cool to see the buzz. Granted, I was not aware of, uh, the hype and I'm not a country music guy. I can appreciate it, but it's just not, not my bag. But, uh, uh, before they performed, it was uh, just some local talent that got up there and played. Um, uh, I guess in years past it wouldn't be, um, super crowded, but, but this year they, they it took place uh, in the giant square uh, next to Mark Twain's boyhood home uh, in between a lot of the Tom Sawyer stuff, uh, just a big open area. Easily 500 600 people with their, their folding chairs uh, lined with uh, refreshment booths and food truck kind of deals. And Java Jive had a, a spot that I, I kept near because I had gotten to know uh, – the girls that worked there and and sat close to them um which was you know by design uh, to sit near them uh but they played and they were so uh casual and confident and it was so exciting um uh to hear them and you know, again I'd only been in this town for a, a few days now but I could just feel the electricity uh in this place, and I was proud to be there in Hannibal, Missouri on this night. Uh, it was a summer night that I don't think could be matched uh, many, many other places, and it was special, too. There was this album coming out that they were featured on. It was called Mark Mark Twain Words and Music, and it was to uh, benefit the Mark Twain uh, Museum there in town, uh, but it features uh uh Brad Paisley uh Jimmy Buffett uh Vince Gill I think Sheryl Crow's even on it Clint Eastwood speaks on it I think reads some excerpts uh from Mark Twain so it I means a big deal and Carl Jackson is on there I'm I'm assuming um the other guys are as well but it's a big deal and they were uh playing some some tunes from that that um they they wrote uh I guess the music for and then, um, put, put some of Mark Twain's, um, works to a melody and, and, and compiled this together. So they played some of those and it was exciting. And I, and I, uh, could, could feel the love in this town for these artists. Um, uh, and it resonated just, just like their harmonies did. Um, So that night I went back to Renee's And got out my own guitar uh, Feeling inspired uh, By the music that I heard And sat on the front porch of her bungalow Just thinking that This is pretty cool uh, That I'm accepted into the community And um, I already have some friends In a place where I never really should have been anyways. I'll see you next week. My first guitar was a loner And all my brain mine Because it let me keep Back when I was learning How to play the Boys in Tennessee I'd set up had my share of troubles too